0: Two, three, four, we're in the house. We're ready to go. Let's get it started. Let's get it started in here. Welcome to Sneaky Emu, a place where we to, <coughs> oh geez. a place where we want to discover the wonders of the world, the beauty of God um, that are ever before us. That sometimes we fail to see and occasionally overlook. How are you? This is episode number ninety something. We are we are we are rapidly closing in on one hundred episodes. I think we should have a party. Have a big old party. You and me, all two of us will get together and, you know, let, let's see what happens. We'll make some wise decisions, bad decisions, good decisions. We, we will make good decisions and we, we will celebrate that we have uh, reached this goal that is quite arbitrary and ultimately doesn't really matter. But, it stands for something. We've done something fairly significant. We've spent time and effort in contemplating life and trying to discover and learn new things, and that should be celebrated. So why not? Should we do a special, special 100 episode? What does that look like? I I don't know. What does that? We'll think about that. Keep, send me send me an email. Send me a send me a direct message, a DM. Drop me a line. You know, something like that. That sounds good. So. Uh, Today, the episode we're going to call Airports, Starbucks, and Revolutions. Yeah, that's a good one, I think. Airports, Starbucks, and Revolutions. Um, Before I get to that, Mom, thanks for listening. You're the best. You're the best. Actually, I was having a conversation (laughs) with my mom the other day, and uh, we were just talking about all kinds of things. and. I said something about she had mentioned the podcast or something and I said you know it's funny because I feel like the people that are um like cl- like close to me in like like my circle of friends and family and stuff um <laughs> my family listens thank you to my family also happy birthday to Hannah it's my sister's birthday this this coming week she may or may not hear this but she's turning however old she is, not 30. She's not 30 yet. I am 16 years older than her, which means I am 43 minus 10 is 33 minus three more Uh, uh, minus six would be 27. She's turning 27. Is that correct? Yeah, 27. It's it's a good time to be alive. Anyways, uh, I had mentioned to my mom, I said, you know, when I talk to like my friends, like people that are close to me, people I grew up with, whatever. Um, None of them listen to the podcast. There's like uh, none of them watch my sermons. And I know this because I talk to them about it. And I just think it's funny because um, you're always we're always looking kind of for some validation from the people that are close to us. And the thing that I do that I think I do uh, halfway decent, like the thing that I do better maybe in my life than most other things um, they don't pay attention to. So (laughs) hopefully, (laughs) hopefully hopefully you guys enjoy it. Yeah. Somebody does. Um, so anyways, mom, thanks for listening. Uh, and then I I did want to give a a quick update, real quick update. Uh, some of you had reached out to me about, uh, (laughs) from the last podcast about how my house was collapsing. (laughs) My life was falling apart. Uh, it's all good. It's all good. I got, I got all the lights in. We got 12 new bright white LED lights, canless, uh, what are they called? Canless recess lighting LEDs. They're fantastic. Um, they're wonderful. They're all in. I breathed in a bunch of uh, insulation and some uh, drywall dust from cutting the ceiling a little bit larger than I wanted to, but it's all good. And then my microwave's working. That's positive. I replaced the breaker that got shot. That's positive. Everything, it's all coming back together. <coughs> now I can get on with, like, all the other stuff I was neglecting. So, things are well. Things are well. Even... Things are good even when they're not. You know what I'm saying? You got to look on the bright side. Look on the sunny side of life. Uh, so, airports, Starbucks, and revolutions. The uh, A couple weeks ago, I had the privilege, had the honor, the treat. We had a real treat. Uh, Jess and I were able to go to Knox, not Knoxville, Nashville. We went to Nashville, and we got to go see... Um, Kevin Hart uh do do some stand up. And this was a was a gift uh, of a treat for us. Somebody had uh had had taken care of the tickets for us, so it was awesome. We got to be um like up front and center for the show. I was wiping I was wiping comedian spit off my glasses. Not really, but we were we were really close. The problem is I have no evidence of this because we weren't allowed to take out our phones. Uh, they, they like locked them up in these special bags that only they had the key to. So you couldn't record it or anything. So you can't take pictures. Anyways, I have no evidence. You just have to take my word for it. So a couple things (coughs) about this whole experience. First, we go to the airport. Yes, the airport, um, the airport, if you haven't been to the airport in a while, uh, or if you have, you know, the situation It's it's kind of a mess. It's kind of a mess. People people are only concerned about themselves getting themselves on their planes. And then, of course, you have the uh, the the TSA that's checking you for everything that's that's going through all your stuff. And I actually saw uh, an article the other day about how the TSA, this agency that's supposed to protect us and keep us safe, is now becoming like this huge drag on everything. And uh, it's a, it's a, it's a whole mess. It's a whole mess of things. But anyways, we go to the airport, we, we do the whole, you know, the whole uh, thing. We're checking in and getting checked out and getting patted down and walking through the, the bomb detector, bomb material detector thing. You put your hands above your heads and it rotates around you. And I've learned uh, in my life, there, there's a particular, there's a particular thing that happens to me where uh, I, I believe that, <laughs> this, this sounds silly, but I believe I've been really blessed in my life. Things I've been able to do, places I've been able to go, things I've been able to see, experiences I've been able to have, I've been super, super blessed, and, and I'm hyper aware of that. But on the backside of that <laughs> is that uh, in my day-to-day life, in my everyday life, um, if something my my everyday life operates according basically to murphy's law like we talked about last week like if something can go wrong it will go wrong so if we go out to dinner and everybody orders the odds are my order will like get missed or done wrong if i if i go to taco bell and order taco bell the odds are when i order a black bean taco it it will not get made black bean it will be made chicken and then i'll have to take it back that's just I've learned to cope. I've learned to deal with it. I've learned to let it go because it's small stuff and it's not that big a deal. So anyways, um, if we go through the airport checkout or the airport checkout, uh, if I go through the airport security, the odds are I'm the guy that's going to get pulled aside and like hyper padded down. And this was the case. I didn't get padded down, but of course my something wasn't working on the machine. And so they had to do all these extra things. Not a big deal. I'm used to it. So we make it into the like the the primary area, the waiting area. We get there early, of course. We do all the right things. Um, <clears throat> we're having this little trip. We're having we're we're away from our kids, so we're just free to be us and not stress about anything or worry about chasing anybody or f- breaking up fights amongst our kids. And so my wife says, "Hey, you know, it's because it was early. Uh, let's let's get Starbucks." And now I'm I'm standing in the in the airport like waiting area, you know, in the hub and I'm looking around at all the various vendors and typically I make my decision to get some sort of snack or food really based on, uh, the shortness of the line, (laughs) right? Like if, if there's a couple of different options and if the one option that I really like has a long line or the thing that I want to get has a long line, I will intentionally not go to that and go to something quicker, even if it's something that I desire less. <laughs> I, so there's a Starbucks and then there's this other coffee place and then there's like a McDonald's and then there's something else. The McDonald's line was pretty long. Uh, all I really wanted was like a coffee and just, just a small snack. Um, the Starbucks line, of course, was like seven miles long. Um, because that's how it goes in the airport. And uh then there was one other place that had a couple of people in it. I thought, let's just go there. I'll just get a coffee there, not a big deal. Well, Jess says, No, let's I want Starbucks. I want a, I want a, a nice, you know, uh manufacture, what's it called? I don't know. I, I want a, a higher quality of a beverage, of a coffee beverage. So I relented, I said agreed. We had time to wait, so whatever. So we stand in this long line. And (laughs) she at one point goes to like, go look at other things and I'm just holding the place. She goes to the bathroom, does her thing. (laughs) And as I'm standing there, I'm I'm looking at all of us, um, just standing in line and I'm thinking about things or just being and not thinking about things. And I noticed uh, in all the hustle and bustle of the airport, uh, along with all the, uh, the, 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 um, the people that are like coming over the intercom and now at gate 37B, uh, we're looking for passenger Mike Smith, whatever. Uh, there, there's all these random announcements throughout the airport. Please don't leave your luggage lying around. Um, there was a song that was softly playing in the background and the song. I, I don't remember it exactly, but I can tell you a couple of things about it. And if I thought about it and did some more research, I could probably find it, but I didn't. So you're just gonna have to go based on my memory. The song that was playing faintly in the background amongst all the hustle and bustle of the airport was it was some sort of reggae song that had a chorus line that had to deal with revolution, (laughs) had to deal with starting the revolution or joining the revolution or being a part of the revolution, whatever. And so I was listening and I was just kind of like, you know, kind of humming in my head or whatever, just Trying to, to groove to myself in line, nodding <laughs> like the uh 40-year-old white guy that I am. Uh but as I started to think about it, it it kind of made me laugh. It kind of it kind of made me laugh and gave me a, a bunch of things to think about as I was standing in the like hour long line at Starbucks, waiting to get my mocha frappuccino, soy latte, mint julep, orange julius, whatever drink. I don't I don't know what they make. I just get the black coffee usually. Like, whatever's quick, just give me that. I'll be fine. Um, but I was thinking about it, and and <clears throat> I I was thinking about it through the lens of this whole experience, from the experience of standing in line at Starbucks, Starbucks, and the experience of getting through airport security. So there is, I'm not sure that there is a place in my life or in the world where you feel more like cattle <laughs> than you do at the airport, right? You're standing in line, you're being shuffled as this hurt, you are sheep being led to the slaughter. You're just waiting, you're in between the um, the flimsy uh, extension gate, uh, like rope systems that they have. And you're being shuffled around by the sheepdog that is the TSA. They're pointing and guiding you and, ma- and, and herding you into the proper channels so that, you, so that you can get tagged like some sort of cow, you know, you can get your ear marking or whatever. And so that, that whole process in and of itself really is, uh, it, it's, it's almost dehumanizing because you essentially feel like you're just one of the herd right so there there is a lack of there's a lack of individuality there's a lack of uh of, of of the self you're just a part of a larger group that that this other group of people is trying to move through a particular security system so we go through that you feel like sheep you feel like cattle and then I'm standing in this next extra long line that is Starbucks which if you think about and consider Starbucks is this massive corporate chain of coffee, of coffee slingers. And basically has, has kind of become like the default, uh, the, the default, I don't know, uh picture in my mind of like mass consumerism. Yes. Starbucks does a great job. Yes. They make you feel at home. They're trying to do good things. Sure but when you see it in like when you when you see it in the airport with a an hour long line and everyone just waiting it's like this picture of addiction and consumerism and how <clears throat> and how we've all bought into this idea that this coffee is somehow better uh than than <laughs> than the coffee at McDonald's than the coffee at the other place that we didn't go to um so you have the picture of you have the feeling of being cattle going through TSA, and then I find myself standing in this line where I feel again like I'm just I'm just another one in the herd. Uh, I'm in the Starbucks line. I'm just trying to get to the feed trough, and and I'm gonna eat whatever the farmer is is throwing in 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 the trough. I'm gonna consume that because uh you know uh, that's that's who we are. That's who I am. I'm just a consumer that's trying to you know, feed feed the self, whatever. And so as I'm standing in that line, contemplating all this stuff, and then you hear this song about a revolution, I couldn't help but laugh because that song represented the opposite of everything that I had just experienced and everything that I was seeing in this larger body of humanity that happened to be hanging out in the airport on that particular day, or really, probably for any for any other day uh, that the airport is open, and I thought, look at the irony of all of this. Look at the irony. We're all just sheep, right? What's what's the thing about the the sheeple sheep people? We just follow. We just get in line. We we don't want to go to the place that doesn't have a line because we're not sure if it's good. We'd rather go to the place where there is a line. Because that's a, that's that's our sign that this place is safe and that this place is good we're just kind of following the herd and so as I'm listening to this Jamaican song, this reggae song about revolution, it was like the opposite of everything that I was experiencing so that kind of led me to this place of thinking about like all <laughs> all of life you know as you do standing in Starbucks, all of life thinking about h- how we live, thinking about the scripture, thinking about uh, just, just what, what we buy into, how the things that we assume are normal and everyday, Um, and okay. So let me come back to that. So we go to, um, we go to the Kevin Hart show and we had a great, had a great time, had really, really good seats. And I was sitting next to this guy, a large, very large black man named Dr. G. And me and Dr. G got to talk a little bit. He was by himself. He is a corporate lawyer from New York in New York City, uh, who, who's, ex, let's see, his ex-wife and kids live in Nashville. And so he was just coming to visit and he bought himself tickets to go see Kevin Hart. So he was there by himself. So he was wa- super well-dressed suit, tie, like, uh, I, I could tell like, you know, and then finding out he's a corporate lawyer, like this guy has a fair amount of money. We talked about a few things. At one point, there was a a lady who had walked by us and they had kind of struck up a little bit of a conversation. So I kind of I, I tried to pretend like I wasn't there, you know, like to give them some sort of space. So I turned my head and I'm looking around and observing all the things around me to let them have this conversation as if I'm not there. Um and then she walks away and I said I said to Dr. G, because they were they were talking about. Maybe they would go out and get drinks after, and I thought, oh, that's like a little love connection happening here, just like up front next to you know before the Kevin Hart show. And so I said to him, like, I was like, oh, hey, you, you gonna you gonna follow up on that? You gonna you gonna take her out? What's going on? And he, and he goes, no, man, I'm not gonna do that. He goes, she's poor. So <laughs> she, no, he has this like what seemed to be a decent conversation with her, talks about going out afterwards. And then when she leaves, says he's not going to pursue um, spending any time with this lady because his judgment of her was that she was poor. Now, throughout the rest of the night, (coughs) this had come up several times. This was like his default response and judgment to this lady. She's poor. She's poor. She's poor. And I just kept thinking, wow, like that's your whole, that's your whole gauge and standard for how you will interact with others. Like, uh, and I didn't have the heart to tell him who he was, who he was sitting next to. (laughs) You're sitting next to a preacher who, uh, is, is, is not, is not poor. I'm not, I'm not, not poor by some standards, but by his standards, uh, yeah, I'm pretty poor. I, I could, I could tell um, by how he, by, by, by what he was wearing, how he talked, knowing what his job is, knowing where he lives. Like, I don't make the cut if he knows what my financial status is. (laughs) If I told him that I didn't buy these tickets, these tickets were a gift. Uh, he may have like snubbed his nose at me a little bit. So this whole situation from the airport to the um, to the Starbucks, to the Song of Revolution, to sitting in these nice seats next to this... He was a nice guy uh, who was judging others for not having as much money as he did. This all spoke to me about how so much of this life, um, and how the beauty, actually, of the scripture is... The beauty of the scripture is that it it undermines and combats all of this way of thinking, and in fact, really, the, the the scripture is more like the song playing in the airport than than anything else. The scripture, when when you look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, like the concepts, the thoughts, the ideas of revolution are built into it. The whole the whole like larger purpose is to set us free. The whole larger purpose is to, to break us out of the norm, is to break us out of the accepted uh, functionality, the, the accepted workings of culture and, and the things that we are going through in this life. Um, it's, it's like, it's like the, the revolution song playing in the background. Here we are, the, the, the sheeple <laughs> being herded as cattle through the gates, through, through this airport security, then standing in line, buying into this uh, this mass consumerism product that that is this addictive chemical that is coffee that is Starbucks that's done a great job at 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 uh, marketing and convincing us of, of that this is something that we need and that this that this particular brand is better than others. We've bought into all of that. This is like in the Old Testament where you have this concept th- this picture of of the uh Hebrew people being enslaved in Egypt. Right? They they are slave they're they're slaves to the Egyptians. And Egypt, we I think we've talked about this several times, but it just it was like so prevalent in this whole situation for me is that Egypt is is this picture of this is how the world is. This this is how things work and function. So for Israel they 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 are living in a world in which they understand that the way the gods operate the gods of the egyptians is it's okay for one group of people to physically own to enslave another group of people they're living in this world where they are slaves and they are taught or they have learned that th- there are these various gods and you have to keep these certain gods happy and the way that you do that is through certain amount of sacrifices and ultimately uh, this world that we find ourselves living in, in which we are slaves, is, is like how the world functions. They're, these gods are okay with this, right? And even the Egyptians, they've bought into this idea that it's okay for us to have the slaves. And so the picture of, of, of the, the, the story of the Exodus is about setting these people free. It's about these people waking up to their conditions, realizing that they are in fact slaves, that they are trapped by this larger system, and that, they, that, that there's a better way to live. So God sends Moses, they rescue, they liberate the people. They are brought out of that slavery. They are brought out of that, um, that, that, that thing that's holding them down. They are brought out of all of the ways that they are that they have been taught that this is how the world functions, right so uh, when I look at the the getting in line at Starbucks, when I think about Dr. G and his he has this certain perception about well that lady is poor, therefore I will not talk to her, these are all constructs of the world that we live in. these are all this is how the world works, this is how things function. so we have bought into this idea, he has bought into the idea. That the only way that a person has value is because he has earned and proven and and built up enough money in his bank account that he can buy and go and do what he wants. He's bought into this idea that the thing that will ultimately make him happy is having more money. And he's bought into this idea that there are levels of of uh of humanity. That some are at the top and some are at the bottom, and this is how the world works. And the thing that differentiates the people from the top from the bottom is the amount of money they have. He is bought into, he is a slave to the thing that he thinks is that to the thing that he thinks is actually setting him free. And so the the story of the old testament is: hey, we need to liberate you from these things. All these things that you see as this is how the world works. These things are actually entrapping you. These things are enslaving you. These things are, are preventing you from experiencing the freedom and the fullness of life that you have actually been called and created to experience. So when you get into like the, the New Testament, we see this story, I think, continued, right? E- Egypt is this like super tangible physical picture of the need for liberation, the need uh for us to be broken, free, broken, broken free from all the things that entrap us. When you get into the New Testament, what you see Jesus doing is uh, <clears throat> Jesus is actually the one who is beginning the revolution. Jesus is the one playing in the background. <laughs> he is the he is the background revolutionary song to your uh, the, the, to to your Starbucks experience. He's calling us out to things. And, and even if you look at how he operates, so much of what he did, I, I think there's both there's there's the external and the internal liberation that Jesus wants for us. Because when Jesus steps into the system, to the, to, into that time, into that place, you have this whole other operating system that is the Roman Empire. That is very, uh, it's very separated and segregated based on class and wealth and so you have the people at the top. The rich get richer. The poor get poorer. And there isn't a lot of thought or concern for the people underneath them. And so the world at that time is very much a, a another. Really, any of our systems that we create can become a form of slavery. But you have the 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 uh, <clears throat> the Israelites who who technically are their own country, who are free, but actually aren't really free because they're subject. To these Roman authorities who are oppressing and abusing them. Right. So when Jesus comes into the scene, he starts to like really throw a wrench into all of it. He, he, he's not just playing the revolution song as you're standing in Starbucks. He's like actually taking action, right? So much of what he does is, is an affront to the systems of the day, whether he's, um, whether whether he's he's having conversations with certain religious and political leaders, or the language that he uses, or how the people talk about him, or how um a lot of his parables, or uh, you know the instructions that are given, where where um that, that we take for granted, or it's just like oh it's just that's the nice Christian thing to do, where he talks about turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, all these things actually confront the powers of the day. They confront the systems, they confront the, the, the institution, uh, the government that is in place in a way that undermines all of it. Jesus really is, um, by all, all things considered, is, is a revolutionary, right? And so he, he lives this life that he is physically taking action to bring about a revolution, right? This is actually why, when you think about why he was murdered, why he was killed on the cross— he was he was killed as an enemy of the state, right? An enemy of the state is somebody who is is viewed or is thought of by the state, by the institution, by the government as a threat, right? They they, they literally had no they had no charges actually brought against him, but the the state was fearful of the revolution that he was creating because he wasn't buying into their systems. He wasn't. He wasn't like Doctor G, buying into the idea that you know money brings power and all this stuff. He wasn't buying into hey, let's all stand in line at Starbucks. He wasn't buying into let's just allow ourselves to be herded like cattle through through the TSA. He he was taking things. He was doing things in a very loving and compassionate way that entirely undermined the system. That's from the external. Uh, from the external. From a societal standpoint, he was actually inviting us into a whole different way to live and be in the world in a way that doesn't um, put some people down in order to live others up. He says things like, love your neighbors yourself, right? Like when when he talks about taking care of the poor, the needy, the widows, the orphans, all these things, this is about a, a new way for a society to function. This isn't about looking out for number one, which is the dominant thought of the day, which is... Which is the slavery that the people found themselves in? Aside from like sometimes actual physical slavery, it's it's this cultural, societal, uh, um, systemic slavery that we buy into. That this is just how things are, and so everything that Jesus does is ultimately undermining that slavery. He's trying to set, um, th- like the the people collectively free. He's trying to set us free from that system, trying to set us free from that institution. And then on the personal level, like everything that he invites us to this life to the fullest about dying to the self, this is all about freeing us from like our internal Egypts, right? This is, this is about us moving forward into a place of freedom that, that we don't buy into. This is just how things are. There is in fact a better way to live. You don't have to earn or prove anything, which is how most of our culture and societies function. He's saying, no, no, you, you are important because you were just you. You matter because you were created in the image of God. You, you are something greater than just what you do, right? So we all have these, these forms of slavery that we're dealing with. We all have these things that we have been entrapped by, uh, cultural culture, what we've been taught as we've been grown up, Sometimes, a lot of times, it has to do with religion and how we view things. Um, I was just listening. I started listening to this book um, called Shameless by Nadia Boltz Weber. If you don't know her, you should check her out. She's this incredible Lutheran pastor. Uh, she has this church called All Sinners and Saints, and uh, she she swears a good bit, which is really <laughs> kind of interesting. She's a, she's a very—she um, might make some people uncomfortable. She's a very forward, very— Aggressive type of lady, uh, but she wrote this book called Shameless. She's written several books that I've, I've written one. I've uh, written one. I read one called um, Accidental Saints or something like that. Uh, but she she's very much about rethinking and relearning how we do church, how we love others. So she wrote this book called Shameless, and it's uh, it's like subtitled uh, a sexual revolution. And so she's going through kind of like. How so many people were raised and taught about things like sex and human sexuality from the from the standpoint of religion, and how a lot of what we believe to be the norm or what's acceptable has has is the thing that's been handed to us by the people before us so essentially it's this story of we have been put in this box we have been we 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 have been subject to this kind of form of slavery, and now let's step out of that we the idea she's talking about is that we carry a lot of people carry a lot of guilt and shame and and heaviness when it comes to our sexuality and like how do we step out of that right this is this to me is this is the whole story of of the Bible. This is the whole story of the Old Testament of the New Testament. What, what God is doing through the people bringing them out of Egypt, setting them free, what Jesus is doing as he pushes back and fights against the institution in love, but then also invites us individually to step into this freedom. Like the whole thing is is revolution. The whole thing is is undoing thing that we have been placed into so that we can experience a great deal of freedom. Yeah, that that's something that we should be excited about. That's something that we should get on board with, right? That we don't have to be the sheep. We don't have to be the cattle that are being herded and, you know, pushed in different directions. We don't have to buy into the idea that I have to have this particular brand of thing. I don't have to make all this money to to prove myself. These are the things that entrap us. I don't have to 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 be a particular way in my culture in order to have value and significance my value and significance is found simply from being in the in, in simply from being in the fact that i have been created in the image of god and when we understand that freedom that freedom allows us to actually go and do and and, and we can do all the things that we want to do but when we're operating from a place of freedom it 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 brings a whole new sense it brings a whole new context to it I don't have to create or do things or develop things or whatever in my life in order to earn or prove something to somebody I can create and, and do and try, try new things, experience, experience new things, experiment with things. Um, and when I, when that's done from a place of freedom, uh, it, whatever the result is like, that's, that's okay. That's Okay right? Like was was writing the book that I've written. Um, if I, if I'm writing this book to prove something to somebody, if I'm writing this book to, uh, simply to earn money, which is <laughs> fat chance, if I, if I'm writing this book to validate the self, then I'm simply buying into the system of slavery. I am, I'm, I'm allowing myself to be entrapped by the culture. I'm allowing myself to be entrapped by myself. And so if I can write this from a place of freedom, then I write it because I want to. And, and I'm free to write and create and do with it what I want with the understanding that wherever it goes, what regardless of how many people buy it or don't buy it, like, it's okay. I I was free to create. I was free to, to develop this thing, free to create this gift. And then I just kind of hand it off, hey, here, look, check this out. Like, do with it what you will, because whatever you do with it doesn't it's not going to determine my experience in this life. So, yeah, airports, Starbucks, and revolutions. The, the message of the Bible is like the song playing in the background. <laughs> Join the revolution. Let's start the revolution. You don't have to live this way. There is freedom. Step outside of all these things that are entrapping and enslaving you because that's where life will be found. That's where the good stuff will be found. Yeah, join the revolution, my friends. Join the revolution. All right, this has been the Sneaky Emu episode number 90-something. Airports, Starbucks, and revolutions. I'm sending you all the love in your general direction. May you be free. May you be free to experience the fullness of life that God has offered, the fullness of life that Jesus has invited to you, invited us to, and revealed to us through how he lived. All right. God bless. We will talk to you later. We're here to unlearn. Teachings of the church and state. We're here to drink beer. We're here to kill war.